This message is from Grace Church, located in Frisco, a suburb of Dallas-Fort Worth. The Grace Church website is gracechurchfrisco.org. Rob Tombrella is a pastor at Grace Church and the speaker on this message. My name is Rob, and I'm also one of the pastors. I want to welcome you as well. We are in a series called The Storyteller, and it's all about the stories and parables of Jesus. And we are going to be in Luke chapter 14 this morning. So if you don't mind taking out your device, or you can pull out your Bible. And uh, there's also uh, Bibles right in front of you, in the seat in front of you. I'm sorry I don't have that page number. Uh, Luke is the third Bible, third uh, book in the New Testament. Just Matthew, Mark, Luke, and turn to chapter 14. And we're going to be looking at a parable that Jesus tells uh, when he comes to dinner. If I were to give a title for today's message, it would be that, When Jesus Comes for Dinner. I don't know what you would imagine a dinner like him to be like. There's lots of places in the scripture that describe it. But in Luke 14, I think we get a front row seat in what is potentially one of the most exhilarating and awkward dinner parties you have ever seen. Far more tension than last year's Thanksgiving dinner for you. It's exhilarating because Jesus is invited to a dinner and he gives this incredible glimpse into the world that he's ushering in. And it's painful because he does it by upsetting nearly everybody at the party. And and through it, he tells a story in verse 16 through 23 about the greatest dinner party you could ever miss. Greatest dinner party you could ever miss. Now, there's three aspects of the party that he is going to describe. Verse 16 through 17, he describes it as a dinner that is generously prepared. In verse 18 through 20, he describes it as a dinner that is scandalously rejected. And then in verse 21 through 23, he describes it as a dinner that's unstoppably full. So generously prepared, scandalously rejected, unstoppably full. Now I'm going to pray, and then we've got to do some context. So I'm going to read a little bit of context in Luke 14. And then we'll get to the parable and then ask how it applies to us. So let's pray together. Father, open up our our eyes, open up our ears, and draw our hearts to you. Holy Spirit, come and have your way in our hearts. Draw us close to you. Help us to come and sit at the table that you're inviting us to. Help us to feast at this dinner both today and forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, in in chapter 14, we're actually going to get some context, just kind of get the setting of the story before he tells the story. And so look at verse 1. It says this, One Sabbath, when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. Now, that's never a good thing. They're you instantly know they're trying to trap him in his words. They, they have a pretentious invitation to him. And verse 2 says, And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. That's a painful physical swelling this individual has at this dinner. And verse 3 says, And Jesus responded to the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. 
Then he took him and healed him and sent him away. And he said to them, which of you, having a son or an ox that's fallen into a well on a Sabbath day, will not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to these things. So before the appetizers are done, he's changed one person's entire life trajectory. And then he's had a verbal exchange over laws with hypocritical attorneys. And you can just feel the tension building at the dinner. And after he's addressed that group, he turns his attention to another group in verse 7. It says, now he told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, uh, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person, and then you'll begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you're invited, go and sit in the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. And then you'll be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So Jesus has addressed the lawyers. He's addressed the Pharisees. He's now addressed a group of people who are exalting themselves and grabbing at status. So the tension builds, and now he turns to the host of the dinner, the very one who invited him. In verse 12, we see, he said also to the man who had invited him, who is the man, he's the ruler of the Pharisees. He's he's treading into this, uh, uh, this place that you know you're not supposed to do if you're invited by this guy at his own house. And he says this, When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So he tells He tells the host, he tells the ruler of the Pharisees, listen, when you act like God and you give generously and you serve those who can't pay you back, can't possibly pay you back, God will pay you back one day. He he brings in a great day when the Lord will return and right every wrong and actually reward those who serve people generously who can't pay them back. So Jesus is taking every moment at this dinner to bring in a holy seriousness. Can you sense that and feel that in the room? He's bringing in something very serious. He's still talking about a a banquet, but he's talking about something much more serious than they were imagining he would be. And then in verse 15, some guy trying to kind of lighten the mood a little bit uh, blurts out, (laughs) It's just so awkward to watch him do this. It says, when one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. So maybe he's confused about the intentions of Jesus in this moment, or 
Maybe he's just trying to lighten the mood. It was really light. And then Jesus starts bringing all this heavy stuff. And here, let's bring it back up a little bit. And he just kind of raises his glass and says, you know, blesses everyone who's going to eat bread in the kingdom of God. And so Jesus takes this moment to talk about the kingdom. And he says, let's talk about the kingdom a little bit. And he says, it's a kingdom that is generously prepared. So in verse 16, we get into the parable itself. And note the contrast. But he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. So Jesus uses the mention of the kingdom of God by, by some poor guy at the party who really wasn't prepared for what he was about to get to talk about a great banquet. Now, for hundreds of years, the people of God looked forward to a Messiah who was going to usher in a great banquet that would be synonymous with his ushering in the kingdom of God. And it would be a feast, listen, for the nations, for all people. And the prophet Isaiah spoke of this great feast and this great banquet this way. He wrote hundreds of years before the Messiah came that the Lord of hosts will make for a peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well-refined. The Messiah is going to bring in this feast, a, a feast that you can't compare to any dinner or any banquet that you've ever attended, with food better than you've ever tasted, and of, of aged wine that you can't find anywhere else, a fellowship with people, and not just one people, but all people. He's going to gather in tribes from every tribe and tongue and nation and gather them together, and not just gather them together, but draw them close to God himself. God will come and dine at this great feast that the Messiah is going to come and usher in and bring in. And the invitation the prophet Isaiah wrote was for people who didn't have money to get into any other kinds of feasts. The prophet described it this way in Isaiah 55, come everyone who thirsts. That's the requirement into the feast. You just have to be thirsty. Come to the waters. He who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? The feast is open. It's available to the nations. And all you have to do is be thirsty. And then the Son of Man comes on the scene in the person of Jesus Christ. And over and over again in the Gospels, what they notice about Jesus is he comes, listen, eating and drinking. He comes embodying the feast that only the Messiah is going to usher in. In fact, he feasted too much. The scribes and the Pharisees and the lawyers did not like how much he feasted with people. So they accused him of being a glutton. They accused him of being a drunkard. He sits at table with outcasts of society. He invites everybody in to sit and feast with him. 
He tells them how he will die and how he will rise and how he will bring into relationship anybody who is thirsty, anybody who will draw near to know God, not as an enemy anymore, not as this distant being, but as a father and as a friend. Only the Messiah can do that. And he calls people into relationship, into discipleship as his as their Lord, as, as him being their Lord, and he describes it like coming to a banquet. And then he inserts himself sort of into the same voice of Isaiah 55 when he tells people, all people, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. Now, only God can provide rest for your souls. And that's the very point. Jesus is saying, I am fully man, but I'm not just man. I am fully God, and I can provide a rest that only God can provide. And I can bring you into a banquet more generous than any feast you've ever been invited to. Now, if you think about it, like most dinners you're invited to, you're always thinking of something that you need to bring. Am I right? Somebody invites you to dinner, somebody invites you to a banquet, a celebration, something really big, and you instantly think, well, I need to bring what? I need to bring a card. I need to bring drinks. I need to bring bread. You know, my wife has helped me with this over the years. You need to bring something typically when somebody invites you over. And so I've learned that I should probably ask, can I bring something? And then my, I've experienced this like at dinner with my father-in-law. We play this little game like who's going to get the bill at, at the restaurant at dinner. And typically he gets the bill. Russell, if you're listening to this, thank you very much. But then we do this little back and forth at the end. Whoever's getting it, at least let me get the tip. You know what I'm talking about? You're the person that's like, well, you got the dinner. At least let me give something. Let me provide something. Let me get the tip. And then that's how it's arranged. It's kind of a little bit of an arrangement everybody's comfortable with. And listen, many people think this is the way that you come into the kingdom. Let me at least get the tip. Let me bring in something. Let me provide something into this. So we think, well, I'll bring my promises to be a better person. I'll bring my reputation. I'll bring my effort. I'll bring my resolutions. But imagine a banquet where the only requirement is for you to leave your gifts at home, associate with the lowly, and spend time with the host as a friend. Just come in, don't be bothered by who else is there, and allow the host to be your friend. Don't ignore the host. That's the kind of invitation that Jesus is inviting. This week, my family was invited to dinner, and I asked what I should ask. Is there anything I need to bring? And I was texted back, just yourself. Just yourself. That's the invitation of Jesus. Come, for everything, he says, is now ready. By the way, I'm happy to bring things if you're ever inviting. I will bring something. That's not my... I'm not like forever. Anybody who heard this message, Rob's not bringing anything. That's not the point of what I'm saying. The point is, 
When you come to Jesus, you come just as you are. He says, just come, just yourself. Come, everything is now ready, the parable says. Now, the apostle Paul will fill this in with detail when he says in Ephesians, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. In other words, our sin has created a dividing wall of hostility between us and God. We can't know God and draw near to God, and it's infected our relationships. But through Jesus and his death on the cross, he's reconciled us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. So Jesus, in his loving willingness to be killed, kills the hostility that exists between us and God so that anybody by faith can come in and pull up to the feast, to the banquet, and know God now, not as an enemy, but as a friend and as a father. So that's generosity, and it's generously prepared by Jesus. But he goes on to say, even though it's generously prepared, verse 18 says that it is scandalously rejected. Notice what happens. He says, but they all alike began making excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And still another said to him, I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. Now, who in the world is going to argue with those reasons? I mean, you just bought a field. That's like you just bought this big house. Maybe you've got to sign papers. You've got to do this or that to get it ready. You, you just bought five yoke of oxen. Goodness, I don't even know what that entails. It's probably a whole lot of responsibility. I, that's a yoke of oxen. I don't even know what one oxen would, would uh, require. But here, some guy's got five yoke of them. He's got a lot to do. And then he, another guy just got married, you know. I mean, I've got a wife. Who's going to argue with those reasons? But that's the point, isn't it? Those are good reasons, almost too good. Can you remember something you were invited to that you could have attended if you really wanted to, but instead you came up with an excuse? A really good one. Because that's what you have to do, right? To get out of big invitations, you have to come up with big reasons why you can't write now, like untouchable reasons, like I just got married, like I've got five yoke of oxen, like I just bought a field for crying out loud. I can't come. I really want to come. Thank you for the invitation, and they're very cordial. Please have me excused. I mean, who's going who's gonna to argue with these untouchable reasons? But, you know, after all the reasons are given and, and nobody else can really argue with why you don't ultimately come to the greatest banquet and the greatest feast ever displayed and offered to you, 
Listen, God knows if they're legitimate reasons or if at the end of the day, they're just really big excuses because you really don't want to come to the feast. You don't really believe what's being offered in front of you. And so it's scandalously rejected. Jesus is saying, my father is laying out a feast and a banquet for the nations and people here and they're invited, not just once, not just twice, not, not, not just three or four times, but they're generously invited and yet it's rejected again and again and again. And, uh, and it's tragic. He's describing something extremely tragic as it's, and scandalous as it's rejected. But despite the rejection, look at verse 21. It's unstoppably full. Even though people turn away and say, I don't want to be a part of the feast, even though they give good reasons why they can't be a part of the feast, God will see to it that the feast is filled up. So look at verse 21. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. Do you see the generous heart of the host? Bring all those people in. And then in verse 22, it says, And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Well, then go out to the highways and the hedges. That's the farthest reach, the places that you weren't imagining before. Go that far out. And it says, Compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. Do whatever it takes. Go to the farthest places and compel them. Demonstrate and declare to them why they need to come in to this feast, come into this banquet. Compel them, he says. And he says that my house may be filled. Do you remember in John chapter 2, his disciples remembered that zeal for your house will consume me. That was what was spoken about this great Messiah that was going to come, that a zeal for the fullness of God's house. That's not just talking about one church somewhere or one synagogue somewhere. It's talking about zeal for the people of God coming in, the full number of God's people from the farthest ends of the earth coming in and, and enjoying the fullness of God's banquet. Nobody left out who God is going to see to it will come, will answer, will say yes to the invitation. God will see to it that his banquet is full. He will see to it that his house is full. And his, his zeal for this is unstoppable. He's not going to stop until his house is full, even though people reject it all day long, even though you could be rejecting it, even today. He will see to it that somebody responds. He'll tell his disciples, go, make disciples of all the nations. That's one big invitation into the feast. Go everywhere. Go to the farthest places. Go to your neighborhood. Go to the people that you work with. Go to your family members. Invite them into the feast. Compel them to come in. That my house may be full, that they would enjoy the fullness 
of the banquet that's being offered to them and that you would experience the joy of what it's like to engage with God on mission. So to recap, he, he says the kingdom is like a banquet for the humble who accept the invitation. The proud reject the invitation, but the humble say yes. The humble say, I'll come in. And, and, and this banquet, it can't be matched, it can't be contained, and it can't be stopped. You, you can opt out, you can refuse, you can reject, but this is an unstoppable feast. It's, this, it's the, the greatest progressive dinner you've ever heard of because it's happening right now. He's ushered it in already, and yet it's still moving and gathering people in its movement, and then it's going to culminate in this huge feast one day, the resurrection of the righteous. can't be stopped. So let's, let's close with a, with a transition of asking, what does this mean for me personally? How do I, what do I do with this? How do I think about how I can apply this? Well, let me speak to at least three different kinds of folks in the room. The first, the first group of folks is probably the smallest group, but you're out there and you are exploring this. You don't know quite what you believe about Christianity. You've got some doubts about this. You've got some questions, and we want to communicate to you that this is a safe place for you to ask questions, to lean in, and we just want to say keep coming and keep leaning in and keep asking questions, and you're not on some kind of rush. We're not going to pressure you or push you or anything like that. We just want to serve you as best we can. We want to say that Grace Church is a safe place for you to come and ask questions and lean in. Please continue to do that. But the largest group in here, likely, are followers of Jesus Christ. Not just likely, I know, I know you are, because I know most of you. You're followers of Jesus. You know that because of God's sovereign grace, you've been brought to this banqueting table. You've tasted of the food, and you have enjoyed this banquet. You know what it's like to follow closely with God. You know that the hostility has been broken through Jesus. You know God as your father. You're at the table, but maybe right now where you sit, you're lacking joy because even though you're at the table, maybe you're distracted at the table. Here's what I mean. How many of you have pulled out a phone at the table where you're supposed to be engaging relationally with those at the table and you're busy doing this or that? And you're like, oh, man, you know, maybe somebody corrects you who is at the table with you. That happened to anybody else in the room? Maybe it's just me. But I get distracted a lot. I'm like the king of distraction. If you want to know how to get distracted, just come see me after the service, and I will help you in how to get distracted, okay? I'm just playing. Um, I want to help you not be distracted. But with distraction, listen, comes a lack of joy. It comes a lack of joy in our lives. And so, listen, perhaps you're distracted because you've forgotten the main reason why you're there. You're at the banquet, but you forgot the host. You forgot that you've been invited to this banquet to spend time with God as friend and as father. And listen, the invitation for all of us, if, if we're there today, Jesus says, listen, behold, I stand at the door and knock. 
If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The invitation for a feast is, is not tomorrow or when you get your act together or when you really get it right or eliminate some other distractions in your life. Listen, the invitation for all of us is right now. Jesus is standing at the door of our hearts knocking and saying, I'm, I'm available. How about right now? How about not putting it off? How about right this very second, as I'm knocking, you open up the door, and I will come, and I will sit with you, and we will feast together right now. All you have to do is open up the door right now, and I'll come in, and I'll sit with you. Perhaps you're distracted because you pulled away from other believers, and you've maybe forgot that with the hostility broken between you and God and the forgiveness that God has offered to you in Christ Jesus, that extends relationally. Like maybe you're trying to hold on to this grudge between you and another believer in Christ, and there's just no room for that because God has forgiven you every grudge, every single thing. And so maybe there's just a, a need to repent of that, that it's just difficult to sit at a table and hold something against another person. Or perhaps you've stopped pursuing people who are far from God. Jesus says, compel people to come in. That means, just like the Apostle Paul says, that to be at the table, to be enjoying the benefits and the, the fullness of the table is to be engaged in telling people about coming into the table. Like there's a, a way that we just don't experience the fullness of the joy of that banqueting table unless we're engaged at the missional aspect of that. Paul says that we're ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. That's not stage two of discipleship. That starts the minute you pull up at the table, the minute you become a Christian, you, you become an ambassador representing the feast that God's invited you to. So very practically, if you are a follower and you're lacking joy because of distraction, here's just some very practical things that you and I can do. Open up and ask for prayer just open up and ask for prayer. And in a second after we sing, we're going to have our prayer team come. And you can come. And you don't have to tell your whole story. You can just come and say, I need prayer. I'm lacking some joy in my life. And I, I'm distracted. And I need the Lord. And, uh, and just, just that very act of opening up, just that very moment of humility to say, I'm in that place. Huge grace gets poured into your life when you do that. I'm always thinking like it's, I need to do three or four other things when in reality, you know, oftentimes I just need to open up and say, I've, I need the Lord. And in doing that, man, God just floods grace into your life. So take advantage of that when we, when we uh, pray in just a second. The other thing you can do is just get among people who are pursuing the Lord. If you feel cold, you feel distant, you got to get around people that are zealous and are on fire for the Lord and people who are drawing near and leaning into the Lord. And then you got to go in and contribute, not just be in receiving mode. You got to go in to that and get among people who are pursuing the Lord. You can go to the Connect Center if you're new to, uh, to, how, to how to do that. We, we do that through community groups. This Wednesday, you can jump into a group. Next week, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday groups get going. And if you're new, just jump in. And if you need help to learn how, to, how do I do that, Go to the Connect Center. We can tell you all about our community groups and, and kind of some next steps and help you connect with one. And here's the last group. You're exploring, you're a follower of Jesus. This is the last group. And the last thing I want to say before we sing, you could be here this morning 
and you know you're being invited to the table. But you think, I can put it off. I can wait. I can delay. Notice the warning that Jesus gives at the very last line of the parable. He says this, For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. That's the most sobering thing he says at this party, this dinner feast. He says the invitations went out. They went out once. They went out twice, three, four times. But, but the people who were invited and, and rejected it, the people who had heard and made the excuses, the people who had all those good, solid reasons that nobody else could really touch those reasons because they sounded so good. Those were such good reasons. Jesus says, listen, I, at the end of the day, those were just big excuses, and they will not taste my banquet because they were just that, excuses. And they thought they could put it off. They thought another invitation is going to come tomorrow. I'll have four more invitations between now and, you know, when I'm ready. And so they just put it off. And they put it off to their own dismay. That was the worst thing they could do is just, is just put it off because those people do not taste of the banquet. So over and over again, Jesus says, don't presume upon the invitation. If you're here, you know you're supposed to draw near to the Lord, and you have not. You've not trusted him by faith, and you feel him calling. You've sensed his calling. Potentially, probably, you've sensed it before. Am I right? You've sensed the Lord draw you, call you before, and you said, not now. There'll be another invitation. I'll do it another time. And you're hearing it now. And you're tempted right now to say, well, I'll just wait There'll, there'll be another time. Church ain't going anywhere. They just built a building in the square. They'll be, they'll be here next week. But will you be? And even if you are, how do you know next week you'll even be inclined? How do you know next week you'll even be desirous? How, how, that's presumptuous. Now, I, don't, I, I hope you have multiple invitations if you're saying no today, and you, you sense the Lord calling, and you're saying, no, I hope you have more invitations, but none of us know how many we have, and it's possible to, to hear this, and this, this even be your last, so I just want to echo the sobering warning that Jesus gives to respond today. Don't put it off. If you sense him calling you, come and draw near to him today. Let's commit this next moment to the Lord in singing. We're going to go ahead and, and stand and sing. I'm going to pray, and then we're just going to draw near together. And you, you can just locate yourself in those people. And I know that's people are in a variety of places, and maybe you're saying, I'm not quite sure where I'm at. Well, wherever you're at, the invitation is for all of us right now to draw near to him. So let's pray. Father, we just draw near to you and we are thankful, God, that you have made a way through Jesus Christ, through his death and through his resurrection, to kill the hostility that exists between man and God because of our sin, because of our rebellion, because of our turning away from you. 
because we try to find life and we try to find community outside of you. We try to find joy. We've tried to find satisfaction. We've tried to find so many things in broken cisterns and in broken wells that the prophet says has no water and can't sustain and can't satisfy and can't quench the thirst of our souls and of our hearts. And Jesus, we thank you that you say, come everyone who is burdened and heavy laden and I will give you rest. And we just confess here today, all of us, all of us are in need of rest. All of us are in need to come closer to the banquet that you have set before us in a personal relationship with God as our Father through Jesus. And we just want to draw near. We want to lay aside the pride. We want to lay aside the excuses. Lay aside all the reasons why right now isn't an appropriate time to come. And we just want to put that all aside and say yes to the invitation and say, yes, Lord, I'm going to come just as I am and draw close to you. You've been listening to a message from Grace Church. For more information, visit our website or write us at podcast at gracechurchfrisco.org.